You ready for the word of God today? Hey, do me a favor, take your Bible, whether it's in book form or digital form, hold it high in the air and say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed. Therefore, I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer. Therefore, I overcome every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart. I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word and I confess this word in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is so good to see you this morning. Today we conclude our sermon series on family matters. Hey, the good news is you've made it this far. Your family has survived. We believe your marriage is growing and your relationships are becoming healthier. Well, our final sermon title is this, no one has died yet. Can you say amen? Amen. The truth is you are probably doing better than you realize. You may even be healthier than you give yourself credit for. Your relationships are growing and becoming stronger. What I know about life is sometimes we are our own worst critic. And today's sermon is going to deal a lot with conflict resolution. How do we handle conflict? And how do we move forward? Improving our family from conflict. Is it, is it possible? Tim Trenton and John Trent write in their book, Marriage and Family Counseling. It says, marital conflict is not the presence or absence of fighting as disagreements at some level of marriage are inevitable. It is the, the disagreements that never get resolved. That becomes the issue. It's the disagreements that never get resolved. Write this in your introduction. These are the danger. Building into resentment and bitterness that can destroy a relationship. Resentment and bitterness. Every marriage has some conflict. So fighting isn't the issue, but rather how you fight and how you handle conflict. Whether you fight to resolve a dispute peacefully and with joint interests in mind, or whether you fight selfishly and to hurt the other. There are many styles or ways of conflict, including silent avoidance. Sometimes you think you're just helping the situation by silently avoiding, but that is a conflict style. Any conflict style is difficult and can drive the partner into living in despair. 
renowned psychologist and relationship expert, Dr. John Gottman, in his book, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail, draws on decades of research in the key elements that can make or break a marriage. And the book begins by discussing the importance of of understanding one's emotional intelligence and communication style. Where are you on the emotional intelligence radar? Emotional intelligence is being able to walk into a room and read it, be able to to understand kind of what's happening. And and guys, we need to grow in our emotional intelligence because there's right moments to say things and there's wrong moments to say things. And God has given you an emotional intelligence that you got to learn to tap into. Can you say amen? amen? And sometimes we're unaware emotionally of what is happening when we really should be. Communication styles are so important. Gottman also emphasizes the importance of maintaining a positive perspective in a relationship, looking for the good, highlighting the positive. I thought this was interesting. He explains that couples who maintain a five to one ratio of positive to negative interactions are more likely to have successful marriages. Guys, let me break this down. You need five positive experiences to one negative experience. Five to one ratio. So if, if the negative experiences are outweighing uh, the positive, then uh, that is uh, warning signs going off. There's trouble ahead. We have to learn to highlight the positive. We have to learn to develop positive experiences. We have to learn to, to, to highlight what God is doing and how the Lord can work and move in our life. What is it going to take to help us resolve conflict successfully. So let's first talk about friendship in marriage. Friendship in marriage. In addition to the communication and the conflict management, Dr. Gottman also delves into the roles of friendship and intimacy within a marriage. And he argues that couples that have a really strong foundation in in a friendship are much better equipped to go through that conflict resolution than those that don't have that friendship. This friendship is built on mutual respect and shared interests and genuine curiosity about what the other person thinks, what they feel, and, um, and how they're, they're taking in situations. So friendship is vital in a marriage. Knowing what your partner thinks matters. So the fact is that you like each other is really important. We go through times where we love the person, but we might not like them so much at the moment. But we want to be grounded. We want to make sure that, that we have that love, but we want to make sure that we have those times where we like to be around the other person. Right. So there's three different reasons that friendship is so important. Friendship plays a very vital role in uh, the success of your marriage. 
and it's a bond between two individuals that it actually strengthens your marriage and it gives you those opportunities to share deep deep thoughts to be able to have your thoughts and your feelings and your concerns shared with one another without the fear of being judged that is so important that you're able to share with one another and you don't fear this is going to be thrown back in my face. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to think that I'm weaker because of this fear or because of this situation. That level of openness that you have with one another and that transparency, it actually fosters profound emotional connections between the two of you. If you close yourself off to the other person and you don't, uh, share and you're not transparent with them, you're not going to reach that, that next level of depth that you're able to have. So the three reasons that, these, uh, that friendship is so important. First, friendship helps build trust and honesty between partners. We're building a trust with each other. That is so important because we need to be able to trust each other with our inner thoughts. The second thing is friendship enables couples to navigate through challenging situations together as a team. Spoiler alert, conflicts are going to happen in your relationships, gonna happen in your marriages. It's inevitable, it's going to happen. So we need to make sure that we're collaborating, that we're having conversations with one another. And the buzzword these days, at least in education, is collaboration. We need to collaborate. But it's so true. But what a lot of people don't understand is collaboration is more than just coming in and saying all the complaints. It's actually coming together and having, having talks, sharing ideas, and coming up with solutions to make whatever it is better. So we need to have that collaborative spirit with one another so that we're able to, to face the ups and downs that happen in those challenges in our lives. So the third thing is uh, being friends helps married couples enjoy each other's company and have fun together. So many times people don't enjoy being around one another. We need to make sure that in all the things that we're doing, that we're taking time to enjoy each other. Be fond of the person that you're with. You look forward to being together, to, to laugh, and to have uh, those times where you're creating new memories together. That always doesn't happen. There's times, there's seasons when you go through where you just aren't feeling that. So you have to acknowledge that and then say, okay, what is it that we can do to recultivate? It's always recultivating and making sure that you're bringing that joy and you're finding that joy in your relationships. That joy, as you build that, it boosts your emotional connections. And it really continues your marriage to have successes in building trust with one another. It helps you to navigate conflicts. And then it also encourages couples to have fun together. 
So as you're, you're moving forward and you're creating that strong foundation, we need to do that early on when you're first getting married. You need to take that time and build those friendships at the very beginning. But then also as you move through in years, we're going to be celebrating 35 years next week. And, and, to, right? and to be able to do that, you have to continually maintain that friendship and cultivate it. Amen. Like two fun things together. Go skydiving, jumping off of cliffs together. Come on. Let somebody else pack the parachute. <laughs> Let's talk secondly about some scriptures that we need to live by. And, and the word of God is what really gives meat to our relationships, really strengthens us and, and helps us as followers of Christ. The first verse I want you to write down is this, Proverbs 6, 2 and 3. And notice we're going to read this out of the NIV, Proverbs 6, 2 and 3. If you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. Sound familiar, anybody? <laughs> you ever been trapped by what you said, ensnared by your, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, did I really say that? I thought it, but I didn't know I said it. And then suddenly there's trouble. Then do this. There's a solution. If you ever open your mouth, you say the wrong thing, then do this, my son, to free yourself. <laughs> I like that. Since you've fallen to your neighbor's hands, go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. You say, well, well pastor, this is talking about a relationship with your neighbor, not your spouse. Well, the same applies to marriage and family. From time to time, we say things that we regret. And though it's best to never say to have said that to begin with, we can minimize the damage by humbling ourselves and asking for forgiveness. Right. Saying, hey, I'm sorry for what I said. I never should have said it that way. I never should have let those words come out of my mouth. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just humble yourself. Listen, you're already lost. You need to just give up. You just need to plead for mercy. You've already messed up. Don't keep trying to fight and prove a point that, that you can't prove. I mean, go ahead and say, I'm sorry. I said some words I never should have said or I said it the wrong way. Will you forgive me? Write this verse down, Proverbs 17, verse 27 through 28. A truly wise person uses few words, and a person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> Guess what? Sometimes you can really look smart. Sometimes you can appear wise by just being quiet. Don't open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> it's better to look wise. <laughs> Using personal restraint and keeping an even temper are vital important. A vital importance in conflict. Even temper. If you're up one day and down the next, 
If you're off the hinge one day and then the next day you're calm, cool, collective, there's challenges there. Which one's showing up today? Even-tempered is what the Word of God tells us. Husband and wife need not raise their voices or make snide remarks to have their agenda or arguments heard. If you always got to yell to get your point across, there's a problem. If you always have to come back with a snide remark and, and always sarcastic in your responses, there's issues there. Find someone to talk to. A counselor who will help you. Spiritual advisor who will point you to the word of God. Listen to what the word says. Write, write this verse, Proverbs 16, verse 7. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Hey, when your life is honoring to the Lord, when your life is, is, is pleasing to the Lord, he'll even make enemies be at peace with you. Have you ever heard someone say, I don't like him, but I do respect him. See, some people are so honorable in their actions that even their opponents need to give them credit for the way they handle themselves. And in marriage, if a husband and wife can be civil and honor God in all they do, though, though they will have conflict because all marriages do, the disagreements need not to be ugly or destructive. It's important. Honor God first. Honor God with the way you talk. Honor God with the way you communicate. Honor God in your relationship. Is this hitting home to anybody? Yeah. Write this verse, Ephesians 4, 26, and then verse 29. Ephesians 4, 26 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Go down to verse 29. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. He's addressing the way you talk to each other. He's addressing the way we talk, the words we use. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, being angry is not the issue. It's how we behave in our anger that has the power to harm our most important and loving relationships. Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. He's not talking about not being angry at night, only during the day. He's not talking about that. He's talking about do not allow anger to stay. Don't allow anger to find a home in your heart. Don't allow anger to take up residence in your relationship. Some people are living in, in, in uh, resentment and bitterness. It all started with anger years ago. Been angry, and you've never dealt with the anger, so it turned to resentment, and it turned to bitterness. The writer of Hebrews says, get rid of the root of bitterness, whereby many are defiled. See, anger is a natural emotion. We experience that, but how we deal with that anger. We cannot allow that anger to take a foothold. We cannot allow that anger to reside. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. He says, in other words, deal with it in a timely manner. Deal with it in a, in a, in a, in a small constraint. 
I tell people when they come to me for counseling, one of the first things that I do is I find out how long the arguments last, how long the conflict lasts. And then we try to get it narrower and narrower and narrower. That it's only lasting just a few minutes. Because we're putting into practice this word. And then he says, let your speech be positive. One statistic is this. It takes up to 20 positive comments to counteract one negative comment. Now, guys, a lot of us don't have a whole lot of words in that emotional realm, in that relationship language bank. If it takes 20 positive things to counteract one negative, we're in trouble. I mean, we're already with few words relationally. So we got to use our words wisely. We got to learn to, to, to speak life to one another and realize that, man, your words carry weight. Your words have effect. Encourage and strengthen the other person. If you believe it, say amen. Write this verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter 3, verse 12, 7. In the same way, you husbands must honor Honor, uh, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. When was the last time you prayed for your spouse? So let's finally talk about how to fight fair. Come on, somebody. We're going to take a few minutes. Let's do it. Establish some let's rules Let's break this thing down. Fair. Now, I've heard it said that all's fair in love and war. But I truly believe that it was a divorce attorney that made that statement. Because the truth is it's not... All things are not fair when you're fighting. If you're wanting a, su a successful marriage, you got to fight fair. First, you have to stay calm. Because when you, I don't know, I, I get a little emotional. I get. <laughs> you got to stay calm. You can't allow anger to get in. You can't, you know, let that be what is controlling you in the moment. You have to stay calm. Because the truth is, if you stay calm, you have a much better chance of your spouse or the other person in the conversation, the conflict, they're, they're most likely going to listen to your perspective if you're calm. If you go in at them, they're going to come back usually at the same amount, uh, you know, level or more. You want to make sure that you're able to have that conversation in a productive way. Now, sometimes we have to admit, I, I'm not there. I got to take a minute. I got to put myself in time out because I need to calm myself down. I need to get where I can have a successful conversation. Because sometimes we take little things, and when you look at it over the scheme of a lifetime, a uh, uh, lifespan of your marriage, it's a little tiny bump in the road. But we lose perspective because in that moment, it's a big deal. So here's some rules. Rule number one, we're going to address one conflict at a time. 
we're going to try to to make sure that that we're only dealing with one conflict and in marriage we're going to have conflicts it's inevitable it's going to happen there are no perfect marriages that have no conflicts somebody's just ignoring somebody's hiding that's the way that they're they're you know dealing with it but there's conflicts that we have to talk about we have to work through but we can't fix all of the problems all at one time so we need to focus on one problem so that we're able to go at that problem and and discuss that we're either gonna resolve it or we're gonna let it go but we're gonna do one thing at a time and a lot of times we have so many different things that are all stored up that we can't just pick one because they're all entwined and it's hard to, to separate them. And if you come to that place in your marriage, you, you really need to consider having a counselor that can help you to start you know, unwinding those things and dealing with one conflict at a time. So we need to be wise. And starting off, for those that are just starting off in your marriages, the wise thing to do is work on those friendships at the very beginning. We need to make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're building those things. The second thing is to avoid accusations. We need to avoid um, accusing someone of something and going in on them because that puts them on the defensive. We need to be very mindful of the words that we're using. And instead of coming in, you always are doing this. You never listen to me. We need to make sure that we're not, um, you know, accusing, but that we're going about it in the right way. Where, babe, when you say it that way, that really hurts my feelings. I, and and they're, most, they're more likely to be able to listen. The next thing is don't generalize. Don't generalize the issues, the problems. We need to be specific in what it is. It's imperative for your spouse to understand clearly what the issue is. And this is something that might be an issue sometimes because I just think he should know what it is that he did because he was there and he just did it. <laughs> and he's like, what did I do? You know what you did? You just, are you serious? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, ladies. Make sure you're very, you know, in a nice way you're explaining. Okay, this is what, when you did that, that hurt my feelings. Because then a lot of times they're like, it did? Yes, I need you to understand. Don't do that anymore. And we'll be good. And toughen up is probably not a good response. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, toughen up is not a good response. <laughs> 35 years next week, I'm just saying. It's a miracle. No. <laughs> oh. And then there's two words, two words that we need to leave out. Never and always. You never listen to me. It might feel like that in the moment, but yeah, it's an exaggeration. You always are on your phone. Might feel like it, might look like it, but you know, it, it's really not. That's an exaggeration. So we need to make sure in the things that we say that we're leaving those things out and we're being mindful, we're being, 
you know, we're paying attention to really what the issues are so that we're able, you know, to deal with those situations. Write this, do not hit below the belt. Any boxing fans we have in here? Come on, let me have a fighter over there. Yes. You cannot hit below the belt. It's off. What do we mean by hitting below the belt? Going personal. Talking about friendship. You know, when you have a healthy friendship, you sharing things. You know emotional um, different things about each other. You've been married. You know, you know what you can do to really hurt them. And when we hit below the belt, we go for those areas. And what's happening is we're exasperating the issue. We're exasperating the problem. And then we have to then deal with the things that we said instead of dealing with the problem. Probably isn't the best thing to say, you're always just like your mama. Or you're looking like or you're acting like your daddy. Now, we love our parents. We appreciate our parents, but we spend our life doing our best not to be like them. <laughs> I mean, it's strange. It's, it's really a, a phenomenon. We love our parents. We love them, but, but we don't want to be like them. <laughs> don't hit below the belt. Don't accuse through personal attacks. Lay those things aside. Don't stockpile the pain. Storing up small grievances and is counterproductive to, to mental health. It is best to deal with problems as they arise. Now, this isn't always possible, of course, but you've got to set aside time to deal with things. I mean, what are some times it's probably not the best time to talk about conflictual things right before you go to bed? Maybe while one partner's at work, you call them up. They're about to go into a meeting, and you want to you hash out what happened this morning. Maybe in front of company or family or friends. Hey, if I'm coming to your house, do me a favor. <laughs> Don't fight in front of me. It's awkward. And I'll do you. If you come to my house, we won't argue in front of you. Is that a deal? You ever been to a family reunion and then the third uncle begins to have a fight with his wife and it's like, oh, wow, they should have left that at home. Deal with things when they're small. Don't let things pile up. Don't let the pain pile up. Be talking about emotional sensitivity. Really understand where you are and, and, and talk about things when they're small because then you can deal with them before they get big. Because if not, you'll have a blow up that comes from left field. Today, we've talked about a whole lot of things. Friendship is key. Genuinely care and have likability toward each other. Yeah. It's imperative. If you're, if you're in the dating process, if you're in that season when you're looking for a spouse and you're dating for, for marriage, hey, build a friendship. Yeah. It's important that you like to be around one another. Right. Maybe you've been married for years and you're like, you know, I... Uh, I have a hard time liking them. Ask the Lord to help you. First of all, begin with confession. Talk, not confessing to them, but confessing to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm... <laughs> Let me clarify. Hey, Let me clarify. Like Pastor told me to tell you I don't like you. <laughs> Pastor told me to tell you you ain't my friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me clarify. Let me clarify. 
in your prayer time, in your prayer time, confess that you are wrong to the Lord. Repentance is the beginning of good things. Can you say amen? Ask the Lord to help you rekindle that friendship. Because most likely there's some things in you that need to be dealt with. There's some things in you that need to be resolved. Are you holding on to anger that's building to resentment and bitterness? We learn keep the word of God center in your life and in your relationships. We gave you some powerful verses. It's not all the verses. I mean, the word of God is filled with wisdom. Let the word of God be, be center in your life and your relationship. Let me tell you what happens when you allow the word of God uh, to be center in your life. The Holy Spirit's voice becomes more active in you and in your relationship. When you have the word of God in you, when you're studying the word, you're reading the word, you're meditating upon the word, the Holy Spirit's voice becomes louder and louder. And how many know we need Holy Spirit to help us? We need Holy Spirit to be the center of our relationships. We need the Holy Spirit to help us know how to deal with conflict in successful ways. Talking about emotional intelligence, the Holy Spirit will help you in those Things. Keep the word of God center. And then lay out some conflict rules. Say, listen, let's make some decisions. We're not going to fight in unhealthy ways. We're going to discuss things in healthy ways. Conflict resolution. Take some, some, some words out of your vocabulary. Some of you use that word. Well, if you don't, you don't like me, you just, need to, you just need to leave. That should never come out of your mouth. The word divorce should never come into your relationship. Quit using words like that. Cuss words. I know sometimes you want to talk, talk King James to somebody. I'm just going to be honest. God talked through, I mean, some of you won't understand. You religious on me. It's not healthy to talk King James to your wife, to your husband. Quit calling them names and begin to call out who God's called them to be. Begin to see the potential in them, potential in your relationship. Remind them you love them. Remember why God put you together. You're world changers. Church, it's important we talk about these matters because there is an attack upon the family in our culture. There's a redefining of all the boundaries. But hear me. What God has set in order, so shall it be. And what we must do is we must live healthy lives and have healthy relationships and healthy marriages so that we can be a light shining in the darkness, so that we ourselves can be healthy because Christ, we're going to stand before Christ one day and we're going to give an account for our homes. We're going to give an account for our relationships. We're going to give an account for our marriage. We're going to give an account before the Lord. And church, it's so important that we live a life of honor before the king. I want you to know, Christy and I believe in you. Christy and I believe in the marriages of our church. We believe in the families of our church. 
I believe that you are great parents. I believe that you are great partners in life. I believe that your families are healthy. And I believe that you can overcome any and all situations. But we need to remind ourselves of things that are healthy, things that are good, and things that the Holy Spirit can help us continue to build strong relationships. None of these messages are ever meant to bring condemnation or to shine light on something that's going to make you feel guilty. But hear me, it is to bring change in us. And sometimes there's some things where we feel convicted and we got to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us so those things can begin to change in us. How many believe the Lord's going to help us today? Will you stand with me right now? And the way that we want to close out this family series... And I know that it'll be tied up here, but I want us as a church family to step out from where we are and come down front, from the, from the back to the front. And by coming forward, what we're saying is, Lord, we need you. God, we want your blessing. God, we want your help. God, we need your touch. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we need you. Come now, church. In the name of the Lord.